The following is a GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street production. After two far from complete performances to open the 2018 season, Bill Snyder's Kansas State Wildcats wrap up their non-conference schedule against UTSA. This is the PowerCat pregame podcast. It's time for Kansas State football. So get ready for a Wildcat football preview like no other. It's the PowerCat pregame podcast presented by Robbins Motor Company. And it starts right now. And now let's go to the Spirit Street Studios. Here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Many expected Kansas State to hold a one-on-one record after two games of the 2018 season. But even those who thought Bill Snyder's Wildcats would have troubles this season are probably surprised by the level of dysfunction this K-State team has shown so far in 2018. The Cats offense has scored just two touchdowns in two games, and the K-State defense was gouged for more than 350 yards last week on the ground by Mississippi State. It was strange and uncomfortable to witness. Welcome to the PowerCat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. I'm Go PowerCat publisher Tim Fitzgerald, and after rallying to beat South Dakota, Two weeks ago, K-State was outmanned last week by the 18th-ranked Mississippi State Bulldogs. The Wildcats end their non-conference schedule Saturday against the Texas San Antonio Roadrunners of Conference USA in a 3 p.m. game at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. Maybe the most baffling thing about this K-State team, Snyder's 27th at the school, is that it doesn't look like a Bill Snyder team. The Wildcats had 13 penalties and four turnovers against South Dakota. And while they improved those numbers vastly against Mississippi State, down to two and one, the head coach who always seeks to take away an opponent's running game watched his defense hemorrhage rushing yards against the Bulldogs. Mississippi State ran plays reminiscent of K-State's offense with Colin Klein and gashed a bewildered Kansas State defense that was either too slow, too confused, or too misaligned to have a chance on most plays. Turnovers, penalties, and poor execution. That's not Bill Snyder football. As I said, it's a baffling to watch this take place. When the Wildcats take the field Saturday against UTSA, they will have a chance to prove to themselves and everyone else that the first two games were nothing more than a slow start by the latest team from a Snyder program that is known for getting better as the season progresses. This team possesses a dire need to make plenty of progress because the product the Wildcats put on the field the first two weeks of the 2018 season will not win more than 50% of the team's Big 12 games. That, even with a victory over UTSA, adds up to no more than six wins that serve as the minimum total for bowl eligibility. And that outcome to this season, even if bowl eligible, would be terribly disappointing for anyone tied to this K-State program. With that, let's take our first break and hear from our friends at Robbins Motor Company, our new sponsor of GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat pregame podcast. You're listening to the PowerCat pregame podcast. Stay locked in. Your weekly GoPowerCat.com roundtable session featuring former K-State football star Marcus Watts is next. (laughs) 
Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat offers a wide selection of new and used cars, trucks, and SUVs at competitive prices in the Manhattan, Topeka, Emporia, and Junction City, Kansas areas. Be sure to check out Robbins' new vehicle inventory where you will find the most popular models from iconic brands such as Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram. Or if you're looking to save by purchasing a pre-owned vehicle, Robbins has an updated stock of used cars in excellent condition. No matter what you are looking for, the team at Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat will help you get behind the wheel of your dream car. And K-State fans, visit the Robbins location on Anderson Avenue in Manhattan for an exciting test drive. It's the Robbins Motor Company, proud winners of the 2018 Customer First Award for Excellence and title sponsor of the PowerCat pregame podcast. Welcome back to the PowerCat pregame podcast. The GoPowerCat news team is assembling because it's time for the GoPowerCat.com roundtable session. Kansas State was completely overwhelmed last Saturday, losing to Mississippi State 31-10, and it didn't seem to be that close. But this weekend, the Wildcats will take on the Texas San Antonio Roadrunners, and we're here to preview the contest with GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat pregame podcast, sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. And now we welcome into the show GPC Assistant Editor D. Scott Fritchin, Football Analyst Marcus Watts, and Staff Writer Riley Gates as we sit down for our weekly Go Pyrocat Roundtable session. The Roundtable is sponsored by Blue Mark Energy. Does your company spend $4,000 or more on energy bills? You can reduce those costs by 25% or more and maintain the same level of service and reliability. Visit bluemark.energy for an energy savings analysis today. And now Blue Mark Energy is the natural gas provider for the Kansas State campuses in Manhattan and Salina. Blue Mark Energy, K-State owned and K-State proud. Gentlemen, welcome to the show show as we begin to look at Saturday's game between K-State and UTSA, but we have to go back and look at the loss to Mississippi State, so let's start with this, Mr. Fritchin. What is going on with this offensive line? This was supposed to be the best line maybe in the country, but certainly one of the best. And granted, Mississippi State might have the best defensive line in the country, but when Coach Bill Snyder starts throwing around the word soft, to describe his offensive line, he is not a happy dude. Plus, I think he is challenging his line, trying to make them mad. Exactly. I, I think he's, it's a challenge to the offensive line, a veteran group, a group that came in, no matter what they say, with high expectations. They had high expectations for themselves. And uh, I know that Bill Snyder had high expectations for them as well. Entering the season, they had talked about the fact that this was a team that could go as far as the offensive line could take it. Right now, that's not very far. They have some improvement to make. Marcus, as a former player, you watched that offensive line and what's going through your mind? I mean, this this is a really talented group. It's proven. They had they finished last year strong. They didn't play well against South Dakota. Maybe it was just the fact that Mississippi State was better than they were. But still, it's got to be disappointing for uh, you and anyone else that is really observing this team. 
Yeah, they're just uh, they're lost right now. I don't know if it's it's almost like it was last year where they were trying to find themselves with Adam Holtroff coming in at center, some new guys um, working their way into the into the fold, and so I, I don't know what's going on. Maybe overconfidence a little bit. Um, I'll probably some of it has to do with a new offensive coordinator, new play calling. Uh, maybe a new blocking scheme. You know, w- we don't know because we're not there. But they aren't playing up to expectations that they probably had for themselves as a unit and as the fan base had for them as a unit. They did make a change, Riley Gates, as the game went on. Josh Revis, the the redshirt freshman, came in at left guard. They seemed to get a little bit better at times, but you know, you go to Tuesday's press conference and. And Dalton Reisner was a quote machine. He he always is, but he's he's not very happy with how they're playing. And there's no doubt about it. And and he actually had played a pretty good game himself personally. But he's looking at this as a cohesive unit, and they are not cohesive right now. No, they're not. And you know, it's it's everywhere across the board. Honestly, I mean, yeah, Dalton played really well in this game, but I you know I do think he had some struggles in the first game. Um, Scott France has been a little bit uh, you know sloppy, if you will. He's had some very uncharacteristic penalties. I have not been impressed with either of the two guards, Abdul Beecham or Tyler Mitchell, um, when it comes to the starters. And Adam Holtorf's shown some some glimpses this year, but he's also had his fair share of struggles. So it's just really weird. Um, you know, I feel like we're kind of beating a dead horse a little bit, but it's just it's so weird because this was the one unit we were not concerned about. You know, we had some worries. Um, you know, who was going to step up a wide receiver? We had some worries about who was going to be the next set of linebackers to come in on the defensive side of the ball. But of every unit across the board, we had no concerns that the offensive line would get the job done. And, you know, this Mississippi State game, fair enough. That defensive line was way bigger, way more physical than K-State, and they were just going to be always. Um, But we have not seen enough out of this unit as a whole to really feel comfortable about it moving forward. And I'm sure they'll figure it out eventually, but you really would have ideally liked to see them have it figured out by now. Dude Scott coming into the season, we didn't know who would be the quarterback, but we thought that they'd get good quarterback play. We had a great deal of confidence in either one of these guys, and so far neither one of them have played particularly well. Maybe that's a function of the line. But I note that Skylar Thompson is winning this battle and will likely take most of the snaps in this game with UTSA. And yet his completion percentage has dropped from the low 60s last year as a freshman to the high 40s which for a guy known to be a passing quarterback is fairly dreadful. I mean, if you're a run-first guy and you're in 48%, most coaches would take that. I know Nick Fitzgerald would take that for Mississippi State because he was not very efficient, but he had great running stats. It, it says a lot to me that the guy winning the job is not playing well. Yes, That sums it up right there, how, what kind of quarterback play K-State's getting right now. It reminds me of the early 90s teams under, under Bill Snyder when, when the team wasn't winning consistently and it had inconsistent quarterback play. I'm talking about the really early 90s um, at the beginning of Coach Snyder's uh, first tenure. But Skylar Thompson, I, I, I am a little bit surprised. Uh, he's completing only 48% of his passes right now. But um, granted, he didn't get a lot of time to throw the ball this past game against Mississippi State. And I don't think he's getting a heck of a lot of help from his wide receivers right now as well. Um, it's been a disappointing all-around performance uh, by the offense. But it, I think it, it it is fair to say that after 
after the offensive line, it goes to the quarterback and what the quarterback's been able to do. And it's been a, a kind of a function of, of the offense. It just hasn't been very uh, very consistent at this time. Um, you know, two touchdowns and, and three interceptions at by the position so far in two games is, is not acceptable. No, nope, not at all. Riley Gates... I feel like Skylar Thompson, well, I feel like both of them can play well, but if Skylar's going to be the starter, he's got a lot more to offer. And if Coach Snyder, as he indicated, is going to go with one guy, and it seems it's going to be Skylar, does that take pressure off him? Can he just relax and play without looking over his shoulder that he's going to come out of the game at any moment? Well, not knowing the the inner workings, I guess, of Skyler's mentality when in a game, I, you know, you can't confidently say that, but I think so. You know, the way I look at the situation is that they were both very tight in that first game because their their leashes were really short. You know, one mistake or one uh, bad drive could have easily taken them out of the game, and you know, I, I understand wanting to get both of them in there. I understand wanting to reward them, but to me, ever since even you know going back to June, July, everything. I've always been on this mindset of you got to go with one because I just I just don't think you can ap- approach a game and have two quarterbacks and and have one guy in that mindset of man if I make one bad throw if I make one wrong decision I might be yanked you got to be able to have those mistakes because nobody plays a perfect game you know nobody does that and so at the quarterback position you have to know you got the full trust of your coaches behind them and you know if, let's say Skylar Thompson throws just a horrible interception in this game on Saturday uh, you know you still want to see him on the field let him right that wrong and and you know just kind of get in that groove of things like you said get his footing and, and really be able to make it his job this is his position and, and he's going to do with it what he can Marcus as D Scott pointed out they've thrown three interceptions Skylar Thompson's interception was right off Dalton Schoen's hands he should have caught the ball ends up getting tipped up and picked off Alex Dalton's two interceptions have just been bad throws and the one against Mississippi State was particularly dreadful now I don't know if he expected a receiver to be where he threw the ball but he sure as heck threw the ball where no one other than Bulldogs were around it's clear that he's not playing well. Do you feel like they're too focused right now on sticking with both of these guys can do the same things and not playing to their unique abilities because they aren't the same quarterback? I kind of think they need to have some better, maybe run the option a little bit. Let Alex Dalton get in a groove with his quarterback run game and then ask him to throw. Yeah, I mean, that would be the thing. I mean, because against Mississippi State, they ran, you know, a couple runs and they were moving the ball down the field and then decided to throw it and it was picked. So you, you basically went away with everything that got you to that point. Just keep doing what you're doing. And that's that's Alex's game. He's a running quarterback first, throwing quarterback second. Uh, are they not doing – look, the quarterbacks have not played well. They're playing tight. They're playing preventive type – of, of a way. They're not playing free is what I'm trying to say. They're not just going out there slinging around. But a lot of that is the receivers. Now, we don't talk about it a lot, but the receivers are not getting open. They can't get open off of man-to-man coverage. They're just not good enough. So K-State's going to have to work some ways, crossing routes, pick routes, ways to get these receivers open that the quarterbacks can make have easier throws because that's the only way that they're going to instill confidence in these quarterbacks. And, you know, it's, the receiver's got to do a better job, point blank. They're just not doing their job getting open. And the quarterbacks, 
and if they are getting up, the quarterbacks aren't finding them. Sticking with the offense, um, let's finish up this roundtable with talking about the receivers. Marcus just brought it up. We knew they had some questions at receiver, but D. Scott, they weren't open in the game. Mississippi State didn't even need to commit extra resources to stop the run because they were just doing it. They were able to drop their safeties back and cover, but nobody was really getting separation until Dalton Schoen caught the 23-yard touchdown pass, kind of meaningless in the course of the game. It still was a good sign, but these guys got to get open. And I don't know if it's just sloppy route running or just being outmanned by a really talented Mississippi State team, but they're in trouble if they can't get open. Outmanned. I think it's outmanned. Uh, you know, going into this game, I had some reservations. Obviously, Mississippi State was a top 25 team. If you look back historically, K-State struggled against top 25 teams at home especially. But uh, in particular, at, when it comes to wide receiver versus defensive back, and so many of these games fits, and you know this, it's, it's a matter of athletes. And so many of these teams, defensive backs, have athletes, and you go against Kansas State wide receivers, and um, I, I think that this was the SEC defense that had athletes and was able to outman, outmuscle Kansas State throughout the game. For you, relegates the running game. Alex Barnes, is he playing well or not so far this season? Well, that first game, he definitely did not play well. Um, you know, I, I thought he played better overall in the second game, but uh, it's so tough when you're not getting that push from the offensive line. Um, I wouldn't say he's he's had a bad start, but it definitely hasn't been anywhere near what he's capable of. Um, and, you know, I was shocked the other day when you pointed out that he's actually the leading rusher in the conference right now. So it's kind of weird to think about that he's up there, and yet I don't think he's even scratched the surface on what he can be this year. Um, and I honestly, I think a little bit of that goes on him. Uh, I think he didn't necessarily play his game first off in that first game. I thought he ran a little bit differently than the type of runner he usually is, um, plus the fumbles. And then the other half of that goes on the offensive line. I mean, there's there's plays where he can, you know, he might be able to get something going. He might have something, but the hole, the holes just aren't there. And and when they're not there, you just can't do anything. So he hasn't been awful, but he's been far from great um and I, I definitely expect him to take a step forward this week and and hopefully he can keep that moving forward after that because i really think he's a really talented back and i think this is the offensive line he needs uh to have a good season but neither him or the line yet have really kind of found that clicking um and, and really haven't been able to make anything happen yet okay before we go to break marcus i've got a interesting question for you i thought mississippi state was really good uh, defensively, I, I was really impressed with that front. And I like Nick Fitzgerald and the fact that uh, you combine him with Hill, the running back, and they're really tough. They're, it's really tough. They're running K-State's offense for Colin Klein, which baffled me why K-State couldn't stop it better. Okay. You look at this week's rankings. Mississippi State has moved from 18 to 16, and above them in the rankings are, at various spots, Oklahoma, West Virginia, and TCU, after looking at the eyeball test, would Mississippi State be the fourth best Big 12 team, or are they better than that? Oh, that's tough. Um, I would say right now Oklahoma and West Virginia would be ahead of Mississippi State on the eyeball test. TCU. It's hard to say. It's hard to say. We'll find TCU. out when they play Ohio State. kind of more 50 You know, they're right there with each other. 
I'd probably put Mississippi State ahead of TCU. Um, so probably third best in the Big 12. That's where I put them right now. And Riley, you wouldn't put Mississippi State third best in their division? I would, yeah, no. I, I, third best in the SEC West is the highest I have at Mississippi State. You're really popular in uh, Mississippi. I, I had some fans up in my Twitter mentions the other day. You always do. <laughs> well, we've got more of the roundtable waiting on the other side of this break, so stick around with us because you are listening to the Powercat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. All they do is cover Kansas State sports. The experts from GoPowerCat.com will return with more of their roundtable session on the PowerCat pregame podcast presented by Robbins Motor Company. I'm trying to get a group text in on what everybody wants on the liquor store run, but my phone keeps autocorrecting liquor store to the fridge. A fridge or the fridge? The fridge. It just did it again. Well, the fridge is more than just a liquor store. The fridge has over 3,000 wines in stock, the area's largest selection of spirits and craft beers, plus they're back-to-back winners of Beverage Dynamics Retailer of the Year. Oh, I get it. Wow. Smartphone. Autocorrect your next liquor store visit to the Fridge Wholesale Liquor, 1150 Westport in Manhattan, online at fridgeliquor.com. Blue Mark Energy is a natural gas products and service provider, offering a wide range of energy solutions to feed yards, hospitals, hotels, manufacturers, and school districts throughout the Midwest. And Blue Mark is now the gas provider for the Kansas State University campuses in Manhattan and Salina. Visit bluemark.energy and begin saving up to 25% on the same product you're already purchasing. Blue Mark Energy, K-State owned and K-State proud. For more than 20 years, there's only been one reliable source for exclusive and unmatched premium K-State sports news content. It's GoPowerCat.com. The tradition continues as Tim Fitzgerald, D. Scott Fritchin, and the other GoPowerCat sports experts continue their relentless coverage of K-State sports. So make sure you're subscribing to the one and only GoPowerCat. Hey, K-State fans, it's time to come home to GoPowerCat.com. We now send it back to Fitz and the GPC News Team in the Spirit Street Studios as the GoPowerCat.com roundtable session continues. We are back and we now continue with the GoPowerCat roundtable session with GPC Assistant Editor D. Scott Fritchin, Football Analyst Marcus Watts, and Staff Writer Riley Gates. The roundtable is sponsored by Blue Mark Energy. Does your company spend $4,000 or more on energy bills. You can reduce those costs by 25% or more and maintain the same level of service and reliability. Visit bluemark.energy for an energy savings analysis today. And now Bluemark Energy is the natural gas provider for the Kansas State campuses in Manhattan and Salina. Bluemark Energy, K-State owned and K-State proud. Guys, let's turn our attention to the defensive side of the ball now. Blech. That's that's my summation of the performance against Mississippi State. That was 31 points, D. Scott, and it felt like it could be 54 points. I thought in some ways they called off the dogs, and but as I'll ask Riley here in a second, it was weird how the pass coverage was so shaky in, against South Dakota and the run defense was good. Now, granted, the opponent gets a lot better with Mississippi State, 
but Mississippi State runs at will, something you don't see very often against Bill Snyder teams. And even though Nick Fitzgerald is not a great throwing quarterback, generally when he missed the receiver by 17 yards, which happened, there was coverage there. I thought they ran with receivers much better in week two than they did in week one, particularly Duke Shelley. Still, this defense is mystifying. I came out of week one thinking, okay, they're going to be good. I haven't, I really don't remember, maybe at North Texas years ago, when a, an opposing running back went to town on the Wildcats like that. That was humiliating 350 plus rushing yards. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It would go back to a North Texas game for sure. What the rushing attacker reminded me of, though, um, was uh, TCU a few few years ago with, with Boykin. K-State was ineffective stopping Boykin and the Horn Frogs, and they were ineffective in stopping Fitzgerald and Hill. And it was uh, amazing to me just how ineffective K-State was in that department because K-State has traditionally been pretty good against in stopping the run. Okay, Riley, what's better about this K-State defense? The run defense or the pass defense? Go. <laughs> wow, way to give me an impossible question, right? <laughs> I don't, man, you know, it's, that's really tough. Um, yeah, I think you do have to take it with a grain of salt when it comes to that Mississippi State running game. You know, I, I just think that the defensive line was overmatched, and I don't think that they're necessarily going to be overmatched like that the rest of the season. I think it's going to be, you know, there will be times where the offensive line of the other team is better, but it won't be that much of a distinction between the two. I think the run defense has the capability to be better um, when that when it's at the top of its game because I think Trey Deshaun is terrific and and I really like what they have at the other defensive tackle with you know kind of splitting between Joe Davies and Jordan Mitty. I think they both bring something different to the field. I think Jordan Mitty's really good at kind of that that swim move, getting around guys, and and I think Joe Davies just. I, I don't really know how to describe it. He just does a really good job of of getting in the backfield at times. So. I really like what they have on the defensive front, and I think when it's at the top of its game, it's probably better than the pass defense just because I was more discouraged by the pass defense against South Dakota than I was by the run defense against Mississippi State. So I think that they both have the capability to have good games, but I'd really like to see them kind of put it together here. You know, I'm not saying shut down both completely. Ideally, that would happen, but realistically, it's just not going to happen. But, you know... You can't have a game where you shut down the running game. Yeah, that's great, but then you give up 250, 300 yards in the air. You know, what? you got to find that that balance between the two where you do really good against both of them, and and that's what I'd really like to see here against UTSA this weekend because I just don't think this is a UTSA offense that has any business putting up big yardage, um, either running it or throwing it against K State. Well, Marcus, I know this. <clears throat> they. Struggled against a run in this game, and as much problems as the defensive line had against the Mississippi State, the linebackers probably had a game they would soon like to forget. Elijah Sullivan missed some assignments, but mostly he was banged up. He's got a shoulder issue. He's got a knee issue. Game two, and he's already taped together. Sam Sizelove was not very good. And Daquan Patton has been surprisingly quiet so far. Uh They've got to be better at linebacker, man. You can't play at this level, at any level, and be that way in linebacker. They tie the front to the back, and they're not tying anything together right now. Yeah, I mean, Mississippi State just dominated in uh, in the front seven in all facets. I mean, they were getting to the linebackers right off the ball. I mean, it was 
like I was watching a linebacker getting blown up 10 yards down the field. Like it was bad. Um, and you know, a lot of it has to do with size. K-State's a little bit undersized. They're not very big at linebacker. They're not very fast at linebacker. Poor Sam size love, you know, he just doesn't have the speed, doesn't have the agility, um, to play in that type of game. And, you know, even coming into Big 12 play, you know, out in coverage, how, how effective is he going to be? Uh, this game was a lot of schemes. And you guys talked about it earlier. We were not very good against South Dakota. Well, South Dakota threw the ball. They didn't really run the ball. Mississippi State's going to run the ball. That's what they want to do first, and then they're going to throw the ball. I knew Nick Fitzgerald would struggle passing. Most of this is his first game of the year yeah. um, in a hostile environment. You know, the, the crowd's been great, but I don't know how hostile Manhattan, Kansas, and Bill Snyder Family Stadium is anymore. Um, it seems like it's not as, as hostile as it used to be, but I knew they were going to struggle. They have some new receivers. Their receiving core is not very good for Mississippi State. Um, the third and 17 play, I don't know any other team in the country that gives up more third and 17 first downs than K-State does. And it's very frustrating because that was a big point in the game, I believe, for K-State. They get that stop. Um, and then maybe can sustain a drive there. The game may turn out a little bit closer. Maybe, you know, K-State's in that game a little bit longer uh, than they actually were. But they now going, you know, to playing UTSA and then into Big 12 play, they're not going to face a team like Mississippi State. They're just not. In case the, the spread offenses, they're just – it's not going to – they're not going to get it. And so, will the pass struggle? Yeah. The passing game is going – or the – the secondary is going to struggle because teams are going to be throwing the ball 40 to 50 times a game. And so I think a lot of it is product of the schemes and why one unit was better week one than it was in week two. Now you're going to get into more, you know, passing games as we go on. Never has an offensive coordinator felt better about third and 17 than when they're playing Kansas State. They it's, actually it's say, mind-boggling, huh? they actually can say, well, I got to play for this. Most offense coordinators like third and seventeen. I, there's not a play for this against K State. They probably have a play. It's crazy. These guys, Rich, and let's talk about good stuff. Special teams. They didn't do what they needed to do against Mississippi State. Granted, they needed to be really good. They needed to steal and dominate that facet of the game. At least this is what I said in my five keys last week. And they didn't do that. But I thought they won special teams. I thought the punting was okay. Place kicking was okay. Returns actually set up some things. Uh, what is your favorite thing or most positive thought about special teams right now two games into the season? Fitz, I'd go with Blake Lynch. I think it's important that Kansas State had a, had a kicker because we weren't too sure entering the season what the status of that position would be. And, you know, granted, Blake Lynch missed a 52-yarder against Mississippi State, but he's shown that he's capable of making kicks. He made it from 49 yards. Unfortunately, it was 52 yards, and it was dead center pretty much. Mm-hmm. Marcus Watts, your, your thoughts on special teams? Well, I mean, if K-State's not going to score touchdowns, then I'm glad they have a kicker because it's until they can prove they can score touchdowns, the kicker's going to be very vile throughout the year. Um, I don't know if I like Duke back returning kickoffs yet. Um, I still think it's up in the air. I mean, he had some good returns, but I think more of that's a product of blocking. I'd rather see Isaiah Zuber returning both punts and kicks. I know why they're probably not doing it, to keep him more fresh um, when they get back onto offense right away. But at this point, I think you need to put your best returner back, and I think that's Isaiah Zuber. I would agree. I would put him and Silman back there. Get something out of Silman. 
I mean, I think he could be your second guy back there. Do something with him. He's he's not going to play running back much if he misses pass blocks. Radigate's punting has been a mixed bag. Good, not so good, but not, honestly, it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. I thought it would be dreadful this year, and it's been okay. Well, you know, we saw two different punters in the game on Saturday with Andrew Hicks and then Bernardo Rodriguez came in, and, um, you know, it, it looks like, they kind of have two different style of punters, you know. I think Andrew Hicks is more of a uh, a power guy. You know, you're deep in your own territory. You got to get it the heck out of there, and, and you know, make sure they they don't return it into your territory right on the next drive. Um, so you know, I think he's kind of more there, but I don't think he's as accurate as maybe Bernardo Rodriguez is when it comes to those uh, tight situations. You know, kind of pin him deep and and maybe try to get him in a bad position. You know, I. Bernardo had two punts inside the 20-yard line on Saturday, and, you know, I, I know that Andrew Hicks did have one here, but uh, maybe you find a little system there, you know. Maybe if you are in that long distance, you put Andrew Hicks in, but um, until you see him start to put, put more in the corners um, inside that 20-yard line, because that's what Nick Walsh was so good at. He was so good at pinning you inside that 20-yard line and sometimes even inside the 10. Um, and so maybe go with Bernardo there uh, when it comes to a situation like that more often. Well, when it comes to punters and kickers, it's okay to be predictable. Yeah. It doesn't matter that they know what they're, you're going to do based on personnel. Just go ahead and do it. Okay. It's time for our Wabash Station Question of the Week, which comes from a member of our premium message board over at Go Cat. Marcus, this week's question comes from Sandy Loam, who asks, does it seem like the quarterbacks are playing like they're scared that if they make a mistake, they will be taken out of the game? Almost oh, definitely. I think everybody can see that. I mean, they're just not playing free. It's a new offense coordinator also. I don't know what they're doing differently. You know, it's if you're not there, then it's kind of hard to know if they're really doing much different. But I knew that they would struggle the first couple games because of this whole – look, neither quarterback took the, the bull by the horns or right. however you say it and won this job. And that was honestly not good for K-State, um, that th- they couldn't figure out which one was going to be. It looks like Thompson is going to be the starter – going forward unless something happens. Um, but he's got to come out and just look at this is my team. This is – I'm the quarterback. I'm taking this team to the next level. He's got to instill that confidence in himself somehow, some way. Well, this is my team, and you're my quarterback, D. Scott Fritchin. My number of the week here is 178, and I think you know what that is. That is Alex Barnes's total number of yards rushing which, as Riley pointed out, is astonishingly the number one guy in the Big 12, which points out not so much about Alex Barnes, but the Big 12 doesn't want to run the football. They just want to throw it all over the field because Alex Barnes right now, even though we'd all agree is struggling, actually leads the Big 12 in rushing. What is your number of the week? Astounding. Yeah, that's that's very factual there. Mine has to do with the running game as well, Fitz, and my number of the week is 13. It's no secret K-State has failed to score a rushing touchdown so far this season. It's just the third time in the last 159 games that K-State has failed to score a rushing touchdown in back-to-back games. But did you know it's been 13 years since K-State has gone three straight games without a rushing touchdown? The last time came against Kansas, Texas Tech, and Texas A&M in 2005. K-State will try to avoid doing that against UTSA. Very good, Mr. Fritchin. And with that, the roundtable is closed. Let's head into another timeout here on the Powercat Pregame Podcast, brought to you by Robbins Motor Company. 
The breakdown of the game arrives right after this pause on the PowerCat pregame podcast presented by Robbins Motor Company. Blue Mark Energy is a natural gas products and service provider, offering a wide range of energy solutions to feed yards, hospitals, hotels, manufacturers, and school districts throughout the Midwest. And Blue Mark is now the gas provider for the Kansas State University campuses in Manhattan and Salina. Visit bluemark.energy and begin saving up to 25% on the same product you're already purchasing. Blue Mark Energy, K-State owned and K-State proud. I'm trying to get a group text in on what everybody wants on the liquor store run, but my phone keeps auto-correcting liquor store to the fridge. A fridge or the fridge? The fridge. It just did it again. Well, the fridge is more than just a liquor store. The fridge has over 3,000 wines in stock, the area's largest selection of spirits and craft beers, plus their back-to-back winners of Beverage Dynamics Retailer of the Year. Oh, I get it. Wow. Smartphone. Autocorrect your next liquor store visit to the Fridge Wholesale Liquor, 1150 Westport in Manhattan, online at fridgeliquor.com. For more than 20 years, there's only been one reliable source for exclusive and unmatched premium K-State sports news content. It's GoPowerCat.com. The tradition continues as Tim Fitzgerald, D. Scott Fritchin, and the other GoPowerCat sports experts continue their relentless coverage of K-State sports. So make sure you're subscribing to the one and only GoPowerCat. Hey, K-State fans, it's time to come home to GoPowerCat.com. The PowerCat pregame podcast presented by Robbins Motor Company continues. Now we send you back to Fitz. Welcome back to the PowerCat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. It's now time for your update on Kansas State football recruiting. Celebrate Kansas State University's fight against cancer with a Bill Snyder commemorative Fighting for a Cure shirt and wear it to the home football game or anywhere on Saturday, October 13th for the university's fifth annual Fighting for a Cure Day. The Johnson Cancer Research Center's programs to advance Kansas State University's cancer research and education are made possible by private donations. Information is available at cancer.ksu.edu. There isn't much going on in K-State football recruiting right now as the coaches lock in on improving this edition of the Wildcats, but Go Powercat football recruiting analyst Ryan Wallace took a deep dive this week in an effort to sort out some of the issues that currently face K-State football recruiting. The article outlines the deficiencies in how Coach Bill Snyder continues to address recruiting by committing fewer resources and less time than your average Power 5 football program. It's an in-depth article on a complex subject that we provided to our subscribers at GoPowerCat.com. It's don't miss coverage from the GPC staff. Speaking of which, subscribers at GoPowerCat get up to the minute coverage of football and basketball recruiting from our staff. We've been part of the 24-7 Sports Network for more than a year, and the coverage, both free and VIP, to our subscribers is providing K-State fans with unmatched coverage and insights on the Wildcats and K-State recruiting. Head over to GoPowerCat.com and become a K-State Sports Insider by getting your scoop and news from the experienced journalist at GoPowerCat.com. And now it's time to break down the game between the Wildcats and Roadrunners. Joining you once again, it's GoPowerCat football analyst Marcus Watts. 
Kansas State and UTSA kick off at 3 p.m. at Bill Snyder Family Stadium in a game being televised Saturday on FSN. Now it's time for our breakdown session as the Big 12's Wildcats and the Conference USA Roadrunners collide in the Cats' final non-conference game of the season. And, of course, to help me out with the breakdown of the game is Go Paracat football analyst and former K-State safety Marcus Watts. And, Marcus, UTSA is 0-2 on the season, and despite K-State's troubles, the Wildcats probably should win this game fairly handily. And as Coach Snyder always says, it's really a game where K-State needs to worry about K-State and executing. So, uh, with all due respect to UTSA, we're not going to break them down. K-State should win this. You know, as Riley Gates says, this is probably the third best team of the three teams K-State's playing in the non-conference. I don't know about that, but I'll give South Dakota this. They have an identity. They know who they are, and they know how to win. The Roadrunners, not so much. They've been okay under Coach Frank Wilson the first two years, but they're not okay this year. They are certainly rebuilding. So I ask you, before we start this segment, jot down some notes here, because I want to know four things Marcus Watts thinks that K-State needs to do better, and you are, like me, a back-to-basics football guy, and your first topic is establishing a running game from the start. Yeah, this is something that K-State needs to come out and do for the confidence of the team, I think, because this is something that they looked forward through through this year, that this was going to be their number one thing, the running game, that they were going to dominate the running game, that they were going to actually have a 1,000-yard rusher for the first time in I don't know how many years it's been since they've had one. Um, you know, get Alex Barnes going, get Warmack going, get Silman going, and the offensive line, I know for a fact that they are not happy um, they've stated they're not happy. They've been Coach Snyder said they've played soft. I look for this offensive line to come out and dominate, and they need to do that because not only for this game but going into Big 12 play because if K-State does not have a running game and struggles, it's going to be a long year for K-State. Well, I'll tell you what. The, the most surprising thing is is Alex Barnes is actually – on mathematically on course for a thousand yard correct year and it, it doesn't look good they tried to do that against south dakota and south dakota just committed resources to stop the run and it became a very frustrating day number two uh these quarterbacks need to start making more efficient quick decisions in the throwing game yeah and i think a lot of that has to do with the coaching also they need to put them in a position to make quick passes you know they need to get some confidence built in these quarterbacks early um, whether that's quick slants, quick hits, you know, quick dump offs out in the flat or, you know, bubble screens, whatever it is, make it an easy read for the quarterback so that they can build some confidence in themselves. Um, the quarterbacks need to go out there. If you see it, throw it. They don't need to sit there, hesitate, because this, this, the, the quarterbacks, Skyler and Alex, have been playing tentative. And you can tell they're not reading, you know, they're more worried about making the mistake than they are actually letting it loose. And that's something that's important in the quarterback play, because if the quarterbacks are not confident, you know, it's hard to go anywhere with that, because if they're afraid that they're going to make a mistake, they're going to get pulled. And, exactly. and we and you can't have that. And you know, some of that is on the quarterbacks because nobody took the reins at the beginning of the year or in the off season and separated themselves. Some of that's on the coaches by making it such a competitive competition that you know they probably were scared to make mistakes in that first game and in the second game uh, with the up 
upping of the competition. And and so they just need to be like, look, Alex or Skyler, you're our guy. Go out there and prove it and win the game for us. I know you can do it. Do it. Switching sides of the ball right now, let's go look at the defense. And this defense needs to be more disruptive, get more pressure in the passing game, doesn't it? It does. And that's the reason why I put this in there is because this and everything that I, the four keys that I have, um, are more geared towards what's coming up in Big 12 play. We're going to face spread offenses that throw the ball over the field. And without quarterback pressure, it's going to be a long day for the secondary linebackers, everybody. And if and if you're not taking something away or if you're not putting pressure on the quarterback, then that offense can do whatever they want. And so guys like Reggie Walker and Kyle Ball and Trey Deshaun and Davies on the inside playing better and start getting more pressure on the quarterback – not only just putting pressure, but actually making the plays and getting sacks. Uh, it, it, it's such an uplifting thing for the defense when that happens uh, because you as a secondary knows that your your front seven is going to get there, that you're not going to have to cover for five seconds or six seconds. You know, that you if you can have coverage for two to three seconds, you know that someone's going to get to that quarterback and make a sack. It makes it easier and more confident, and you can be more aggressive as a secondary if that happens. And your fourth thing you wrote down, and probably, honestly, it might be the most important of all these going ahead. Coach Snyder has questions about his team. The fans have questions about this team. And you know what? I'm sure the team right now is like, what is going on here? This team needs to come out and emphatically win a game against a team that they really should beat handily. Yeah, they got to win in dominating fashion. Um, not only for the confidence for themselves, but I think also for the fan base. The, the fans right now are a little unruly and a little worried what's going on. Um, you know, a lot a lot of this goes back to last year. And, you know, they returned 14 starters from last year's team. This team shouldn't be playing the way they're playing right now. And it's very mind-boggling for myself, for people – um, that follow K-State closely, what's going on? What is their internal strife going on? You know, we thought there was internal strife last year and all of that was gone. Uh, you know, they have good leadership on this team. This leadership needs to step up. Um, Dalton Reisner is one of the most vocal leaders on this team, and I'm sure he has stepped up. I'm sure he's been talking to the players, but I, I don't know what it is. It's hard to pinpoint what's going on. It's just – they're not playing well. And right now their confidence in how they're playing is, is really low. And this, you know, I can go back to when I played in 2005 and 2004. You know, we just we weren't very good um, as a team. And, we, you know, we had some good players, a lot of players that went on play in the NFL on our teams. But, you know, we when we started losing is when our confidence started going downhill. Um, you know, we come into the games all fired up and stuff. But then once you got down, it's just like, oh, no, here we go again. You don't want to develop that feeling within the team. And it's hard to keep out of the minds of young individuals that, hey, it, one play, forget it, go on, move on. And, you know, it's hard to keep that out of those minds. And so I think win and win dominating fashion to show this is the team that we thought was coming into the season because when next weekend – it's you start the barn burner of Big 12 play and going against one of the best offenses, best teams in the country, and a quarterback who right now 
I would venture to say, is the Heisman leading candidate. That's Will Greer in West Virginia next week in Morgantown for the Wildcats. Uh, but they have UTSA this weekend at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. A couple more things. You're an old safety. K-State safeties get beat up. No doubt about it. Denzel Goolsby is now lost for the season with a shoulder uh, injury. Luckily, they've had a third safety. So, But they've kind of played the same spot in Kendall Adams and Eli Walker. Just rotate maybe Adams around in another spot and go with what you got. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's probably what they're going to do. Um, you may see some young guys like Jerron McPherson come in and play um, some. But, you know, you got two guys that have experience um, in Eli Walker, who's who played a lot last year when Kendall went out. So he, he, he understands, um, you know, he's just – with uh, uh, Walker, he's just got to slow down a little bit yeah. on his reads and not be so aggressive in the run game. I know he likes to hit. Um, you know whether you put Kendall back in the in the deep middle all the time and always bring you know when you're going three deep and bring Eli in so that that takes his passing coverage away and reading away. I guess um, that's probably something to do. I think losing Denzel or Kendall, I think it's probably better to lose Denzel than it is Kendall. Um, because Kendall is more of a vocal leader. Uh, Denzel's more the leader by example type guy, um, and he has more experience than obviously Denzel does. But losing either one of them was, is never a good thing, but at least they have somebody that is serviceable and can fill in the shoes. Well, I was tied in Nick Lenners in the opener, and now Denzel Goolsby in game two. They're losing a starter per game, and they can't keep up that pace. One final thing before I let you go. I know they have two new coordinators. I get it. These guys have got to learn on the fly. They have to figure out who they are as coordinators. And maybe, particularly for Andre Coleman, it hasn't gone as he hoped. It's been a little more challenging. I think they'll get there. But I, I want to say this. For me, watching this team play, this has not looked like a Bill Snyder team to me. That maybe is overall, for me, the most worrisome thing. It just doesn't look like a Snyder team. And, boy, I hope I see a Bill Snyder team in this game. Yeah, and I don't know if we put enough emphasis on two new coordinators. That's a big uh, change coming into a new season, especially two coordinators that have actually never called a game. Yeah, and so I probably didn't think too much of it because Coach Schneider's, you know, always the head of everything. But it it, it shown. Um, Blake Siler in the first game, you know, they struggled in the first half, but he made some adjustments in the second half. Come back to the Mississippi State game, you know, they struggled stopping the run. They just couldn't figure out what what was going on. They probably should have committed more guys to the box, um, bringing the safety down and just playing man, man free uh, on the outside. But that's something K-State usually doesn't do and hasn't done in a long time. They're learning as they go. They'll get better. I think you'll see a better in-game calls per the situation um, as we go on this year. Very good. That is Marcus Watts, former Kansas State safety, and in my book, a living legend. That's that's where I'm going with it. Now let's get into the interview segment in Kansas State's offensive line, as we've said over and over. Came into the season highly regarded, but clearly is not playing up to expectations. Coach Snyder even went as far this week to call his line's performance as soft. I spoke with junior center Adam Holtorf earlier in this week at Tuesday's press conference, and we started with this. What exactly is going on with this offensive line? You know, I, I think the biggest thing that sticks out to me is, you know, there, there's a lack of consistency in what we're doing, and we need to be better at finishing blocks. I think those two things have created a lot of the, the issues that we're seeing. I think there's 
you know, every, everybody's kind of taking their turn in terms of having one or two bad plays, you know, bust maybe, you know, guy beats across their face, sort of that, that sort of thing. And we're all taking our time or, you know, we're all taking our turn having one or two of those. And those things add up at the end of the game. And so I think, and that goes back to consistency. Um, I think that that's that's kind of an overall encompassing thing that's hurting us. You know, consistency can go into those finishing blocks. We're just not we're not playing to the level we're capable of right now. Now, you personally on Saturday had to go up against what people are saying might be the first round pick as a nose tackle. Mm-hmm. How did your day at the office go against him? You know, Simmons was. I mean, he's a great athlete up there. I mean, you know, probably arguably one of the best D tackles I've played against, you know, in the past year and a half I've been playing, um, presented quite a challenge. You know, had my hands full with him. And, I mean, he, again, great athlete and was a huge challenge on Saturday. Coach Snyder mentioned that the coaches broke down about 30 plays where one little thing went wrong. Mm-hmm. How frustrating is that to look at that and see how close you were to success and you couldn't find it? And that's extremely frustrating. You know, we took time as a whole offense to watch that yesterday. You know, those thirty-some plays where it's—I mean, it's—it's it's little things. You know, it's—it's it's if a guy sustains a block, you know, maybe a half a second longer. Um, you know, a guy gets his hat from the backside to the play side. You know, maybe I don't get my shoulders turned on a, on a combo block, and I can get up to the linebacker cleaner. And that play goes from a 10-yard gain to 15, 20-yard gain. So it's it's extremely frustrating to watch because those are those are little things you don't necessarily pick up on as the game's going and the bullets are flying, so to say. Um, but when you take the time to go back and watch the tape, that that's very frustrating because you see how close you truly were. Going into the season, we all knew we had the opportunity to do something special, and we're not doing it right now. And so there's a lot of you know. We're, we're trying, you know, dissecting the film as, you know, looking at it under as, you know, micro, as big a microscope as we can, trying to find every little thing that we can to try and improve. So you guys are two games into a season, mm-hmm. haven't even played close to your expectations, I imagine. Mm-hmm. Is Saturday an opportunity to kind of hit the reset button and get started again? Absolutely. It, you know, it's an opportunity to, you know, you, you look at last week, we find, you know, we try and correct all the mistakes and go out and say, you know, here, let's try and play mistake-free football, you know, play consistent all four quarters, you know, get a run game going, protect the quarterback in the pass game, and, you know, let's all go out together and put one together. There's just no time to mess around at this point because you get through Saturday and you're into Big 12 play with a you know, severe test on the road. Mm-hmm. It's, it's time, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, there, there there's no there's no waiting around. You know, it, it has to happen now. There, and there's that sense of urgency in practice, you know, and it's not just the offensive line, it's the offense as a whole. Everybody knows that, you know, we need to get things corrected and they need to be corrected yesterday. Yeah, everybody's, you know, still, you know, they're excited and trying to get better every way we can, every day, every rec we take. What are the keys to a Wildcat victory? And what are our experts' predictions? It's next on the PowerCat pregame podcast, presented by Robbins Motor Company. I'm trying to get a group text in on what everybody wants on the liquor store run, but my phone keeps auto-correcting liquor store to the fridge. A fridge or the fridge? The fridge. 
It just did it again. Well, the fridge is more than just a liquor store. The fridge has over 3,000 wines in stock, the area's largest selection of spirits and craft beers, plus their back-to-back winners of Beverage Dynamics Retailer of the Year. Oh, I get it. Wow. Smartphone. Autocorrect your next liquor store visit to the Fridge Wholesale Liquor, 1150 Westport in Manhattan, online at fridgeliquor.com. Blue Mark Energy is a natural gas products and service provider, offering a wide range of energy solutions to feed yards, hospitals, hotels, manufacturers, and school districts throughout the Midwest. And Blue Mark is now the gas provider for the Kansas State University campuses in Manhattan and Salina. Visit bluemark.energy and begin saving up to 25% on the same product you're already purchasing. Blue Mark Energy, K-State owned and K-State proud. For more than 20 years, there's only been one reliable source for exclusive and unmatched premium K-State sports news content. It's GoPowerCat.com. The tradition continues as Tim Fitzgerald, D. Scott Fritchin, and the other GoPowerCat sports experts continue their relentless coverage of K-State sports. So make sure you're subscribing to the one and only GoPowerCat. Hey, K-State fans, it's time to come home to GoPowerCat.com. It's a K-State sports tradition. It's Fitz's Five Keys to Victory on the PowerCap Pre-Game Podcast, presented by Robbins Motor Company. It's week three of the 2018 season, and with the Kansas State Wildcats sitting at one and one, some big questions loom over this team as they prepare to take on the UTSA Roadrunners on Saturday afternoon at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. I'm Go Power Cat publisher Tim Fitzgerald, and now it's time for my keys to the game. Our keys to the game are sponsored by Tanner's Bar and Grill in Aggieville. Great food, friendly service, and the best place to watch sports in Manhattan can be found at Tanner's. You've got time for one final final at Tanner's. Tanner's located at the corner of 12th and Morrow in the historic Aggieville Business District. Key number one, get a foundation on offense. What does this Kansas State offense do well? It's a question that begs to be answered. Bill Snyder's offenses have always attacked defenses with a diverse run attack, but for now the Wildcats running game appears to be painfully simplistic and still not well executed. If the foundation of this offense is going to be running the ball, then find a way to do so with creative, well-executed plays that complement the basic plays of any good running game. Decide to be better and then prove it. Key number two, trust a quarterback. Skylar Thompson has earned the start the last two games and appeared to be looking over his shoulder expecting Alex Delton to be put into the game. Go with Thompson and give him a chance to work through some troubles. If he struggles against a UTSA team giving up 43 points a game so far this season, then this team may be in big trouble. But bet on faith and only give up on that faith when it's clear he cannot get the job done against the Roadrunners. Key number three, be balanced on defense. K-State couldn't stop the pass against South Dakota and was gouged by the run against Mississippi State. It's a far cry from the former K-State defenses that lined up and took opposing offenses out of everything they wanted to do. Honestly, there's not enough talent on this defense to do that consistently, but it can be done against UTSA, so do it. Key number four, 
keep on being special. K-State beats South Dakota with special teams and then held its own against Mississippi State. It's clear that special teams will need to be really good for this team, even during a rebuilding year for those units. It almost seems repetitive at this point, but getting points out of special teams in this game could accelerate the pace of victory and build confidence. And key number five, quickly start to believe. Everyone has questions about this team, and by starting fast and getting away from UTSA, it should help the Wildcats find a sense of self-confidence that has been notably absent from this team through two games. Building faith in this game could be essential for this team as the Wildcats prepare to open Big 12 play next week at West Virginia. That completes our keys of the game. And now let's turn our attention to our staff predictions and bring back in D. Scott Fritch and Riley Gates and Marcus Watts. K-State is 1-1 one and one heading into its final non-conference game of the season versus Texas San Antonio. With Big 12 play opening next week at West Virginia, the Cats need to make some serious progress this week. It's time for our predictions. And as always, we will start with our assistant editor and football beat writer, D. Scott Fritchin. Fitz, I got Kansas State winning this one, 33-17. I think Kansas State will look a little bit more composed. I think the message has been sent to the Wildcats this week. they got to reload, they got to rebuild, and they got to be better. Very good. Riley Gates? I like Kansas State 31-7. to um, I really think this defense is going to have a good week. I don't think uh, that UTSA has anything going on the run game, and I think that the Wildcats are going to do a good job of kind of tightening up their pass coverage. I, I just think they're going to have a solid week defensively, and therefore the offense will find a little bit more success. Marcus Watts, the spread on this game is 21 points. You say? Push. Push. <laughs> I got 36-15. There we go. He got in a 15. <laughs> so, I think K-State will score, and I think they'll get a rushing touchdown finally. But I still am – they're going to score a defense or special teams touchdown, I believe, also in this game. So I don't think the offense is going to be clicking yet. But I think they're going to find something little. But they need to find something big. I hope it's more than that because next weekend, if they don't find something, it's going to be ugly. I don't know how they get to 36, but I'm just going to say bad snap on an extra point. Blake Lynch picks up the ball and turns into a fullback and runs over some dudes. Yes. Yes. Do it. Yes. I've got 30 to 13. I want to believe that Kansas State's good enough to cover a 21-point spread against an 0-2 UTSA team. But they haven't shown me anything that would make me believe that they're good enough to cover that spread. So I'm going to be pretty conservative. And that will do it for our prediction segment. And right after this network break, I will complete this preview of K-State's game with the UTSA Roadrunners, beep, beep, with my final take. I'm Tim Fitzgerald, and you are listening to the GoPowerCat.com PowerCat pregame podcast, sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. He's been covering K-State sports for more than 30 years. The PowerCat pregame podcast continues with Fitz's final take. The dedicated team of automotive professionals at Robbins, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, Fiat are here to help you throughout the entire 
car buying process. The Robbins Vehicle Sales Team will match you with a vehicle that suits your lifestyle and budget, while the experts at the Robbins Automotive Financing Department will help you understand all of your auto loan and car lease options. If you have any questions about the cars, trucks, or SUVs in their vehicle inventory, give Robbins a call at its location on Anderson Avenue in Manhattan. And at Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat, you can get your vehicle serviced at their state-of-the-art automotive center. Bring your vehicle in for a quick oil change and inspection or make an appointment for advanced engine repair or bodywork. It's the Robbins Motor Company, proud winners of the 2018 Customer First Award for Excellence and title sponsor of the Powercat pregame podcast. The Powercat pregame podcast presented by Robbins Motor Company is back with Fitz's final take. Welcome to K-State nine-game football season because when the Wildcats take the field against UTSA, in many ways they are starting the 2018 season all over with a non-conference game they should handily win. What K-State failed to do in its actual season opener against South Dakota was to establish itself while finding an overall sense of confidence as a team heading into last week's game with Mississippi State. The Wildcats did manage to rally to beat South Dakota in the fourth quarter, but then looked woefully ill-prepared for a game against a top 25 opponent. The Cats looked woefully ill-prepared because they were woefully ill-prepared, and now this team must prepare itself for a bruising Big 12 schedule that opens next week at West Virginia. Five of the Cats' nine Big 12 games will be on the road, so this team needs to set a tone starting with this game. Then again, it could be that this edition of K-State football is falling well short of expectations, and this could turn out to be a troubling season reminiscent of the last two of Coach Bill Snyder's first tenure as Kansas State's coach. Only time will tell. My biggest fear with Snyder's return to the sideline was that he would stay too long and damage the way he's remembered by not handing off a healthy program to his successor, which was a point of emphasis when he returned. It's way too early to tell if that is what is taking place in year 10 of Snyder's second tenure. But another lackluster performance Saturday versus UTSA could set off alarm bells all across the K-State frontier. That concludes this week's episode of the Powercat Pregame Podcast. We will have our show ready for you to download or stream by noon next Friday as we preview K-State's Big 12 opener at West Virginia. For D. Scott Fritch and Riley Gates and Marcus Watts, I am Tim Fitzgerald. It's the Kansas State Wildcats versus the Texas San Antonio Roadrunners at 3 p.m. Saturday at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. You've been listening to the Power Cap pregame podcast presented by Robbins Motor Company. The Power Cap pregame podcast, all rights reserved. GoPowerCap.com and Spirit Street Publishing.